Thank you so much for tuning in to the EAE podcast. You're listening to episode number 39 in our series, and I'm your host, Laura Rumbly. Today, the EAE is delighted to bring you a key voice from the higher education sector in India, which of course is home to a massive youth population. The government of India estimates that one-fifth of the world's youth population lives in the country, and an equally huge and diverse higher education sector. India has high aspirations for the future and is actively evolving on the higher education front. We wanted to get a sense of what this means for internationalization in the Indian context, and to do so, we're delighted to bring you in this episode the voice and perspectives of Pankaj Mittal, who serves as Secretary General of the Association of Indian Universities, also known as AIU. We hope you enjoy her insights into the complex and evolving world of higher education in India, and particularly the details she provides on the fledgling Indian Network for International Higher Education. Thank you so much, Dr. Mitzel, for being with us. It's a delight to speak with you from India. Um, We're here to talk about all things related to Indian higher education and and internationalization, specifically within that context. And I wanted to start out with kind of the obvious question. The Indian higher education landscape is very big and very diverse. I wonder if you could reflect a little bit on some of the challenges that that might present for internationalization or opportunities. How do you, in your role as Secretary General of the Association of Indian Universities, reconcile all these different needs and voices across a very diverse landscape? So you're very right that India has a very large higher education system. We have at present more than 1,000 universities, around 45,000 colleges, and around 37 million students are studying in these higher education institutions. And you know that the country is large, it is diverse. So we have all kinds of institutions, all kinds of students. For example, there are the elite institutions in the country, which are, say, IITs, IIMs, central universities. But then there are also rural universities, backward area universities, border area universities. And uh, the demand of the students from both the types of universities are entirely different, both in terms of their expectations, also in terms of the quality of education they get or they are expecting, and even the language. Because most of the good universities, English is the medium of instruction, and they are very good at English. But in some of the universities which are in rural areas, the medium of instruction is also the local language, vernacular language, which is the language of that state. Because again, I like to mention that India doesn't have one language. It is a multilingual country. So we have many, many languages in all the states of India. There are different languages like Telugu is there, Tamil is there in South India. But in North India, there is Hindi. I mean, so many languages are there. So therefore, language of communication is also one of the issues. At Association of Indian Universities, we right now have a membership base of 873 universities out of 1,000 universities. And we are trying to see uh, that uh, how we can take care of our universities depending upon what they need. Because we, we know that one size doesn't fit all. So based on the needs of the universities, we take care of the universities. And we as an association, we consider ourselves as the friends of the university. So whenever any university is in need of any issue, I mean, it could be any issue, for example, equivalence of qualifications from foreign degrees to Indian degrees. Like somebody comes to India with a foreign qualification, there has to be equivalence to Indian degree before the student goes in for, say, uh, higher education or for a job. So that equivalence is done by AIU. 
nor to promote internationalization. What we are also doing is that we should be encouraging more and more students to come to India and study in India. So this is a key point that I'm really interested in hearing more about. What are some of the major challenges to making India a popular destination for foreign students and how are you trying to tackle those? Till now, the approach we were following was uh, a duration approach. That means the duration of the degree which the student wants to pursue, uh, the duration of the degree which the student has pursued uh, in a foreign country, that should be equal to the duration of the degree if that particular degree is offered in India. But we, we did realize that there were many issues and there were universities which were having the degrees of various u- durations. And we also felt that credit-based approach will be better approach. So So therefore, very recently, we have shifted from year sort of duration approach to the credit approach. And if the credits are matching, we are giving the equivalence. But again, a very big challenge is there because the definition of the credit uh, is different for different countries. Every country defines credits in a different manner. And within our own country also, the definition of credit varies from university to university. So recently, uh, the Government of India made a National Credit Framework Committee and they have come out with a uniform definition of credit. So right now we are doing the credit mapping between the Indian universities and foreign universities so that this mutual recognition of qualifications is taken care of. So that's that's a super interesting point that I think that dynamic between the diversity, which brings richness and, and is very natural in, in these different environments, but at the same time, the need to somehow find common ground on, on particular areas. I think uniformity or standardization, sometimes they, those sound like very harsh words and kind of demanding words, but I wonder how you, you think about this idea of alignment or kind of better integration of different kinds of approaches and systems in a landscape that is as vast and, and diverse as India is. How, how do you see that kind of movement toward alignment assisting in the internationalization process? And is there some sort of cross-fertilization that might take place between the internationalization agenda and this, this idea of, of better alignment or integration? For any university or for any country, uh, even if it is a diverse country, certain degree of uniformity is required. Because if the uniformity is not there, then the alliance with the foreign countries will be very, very difficult because they will not be able to understand that this particular university or the second university or the third university, if they are working in a different manner, so they won't be able to understand that which is what. So therefore, a certain degree of alignment or uniformity is required. And for that, in India, we have University Grants Commission, uh, which is the regulation body of higher education. As I told you earlier, we are not the regulatory body. We are the friends of the university, but they are the regulators of the university. So when they regulate, they also ensure uniformity. For example, uniformity in minimum standards of instructions. So they decide that graduation will be for three years, master's will be for two years, PhD will be for three years. And then uh, what should be the minimum number of credits for award of every degree? Now that the national education policy is uh, there, I mean, in 2020, India law the new education policy in which we are changing from three-year program, bachelor's degree program to four-year bachelor's degree program, from two-year master's to one-year master's. But then it will be uniform across the nation because the regulator, that is the University Grants Commission, they are ensuring that the uniformity and the minimum standards are maintained. So that alignment is there. And recently, they have also come out with national higher education 
qualification framework. So that National Higher Education Qualification Framework will further align the higher education system of the country to ensure uniformity across the nation to a certain extent. We are not saying that every university will be teaching the same curricula, same syllabus, same everything. No, for that, innovativeness is there in the universities. I mean, they are allowed to innovate. They are allowed to experiment. But then the uh, alignment or uniformity in terms of the duration of the degree, even the nomenclature of the degrees or the minimum number of credits or even the grading pattern. So for that, certain type, certain degree of uniformity is being done and it is already there to a certain extent. But with new education policy, we are making it much better and more oriented towards national as well as international levels. And of course, as you know, in the European context, um, there's been a long-standing effort to bring alignment, to bring intelligibility across the higher education systems that characterize this region of the world. Um, the European education area is a, an initiative that's taking that further down that particular path. As you reflect on what's been going on in India, are there things that you think the, the European colleagues that are working toward this greater levels of alignment might learn from, from what you've been experiencing in the Indian context? Yes, we are having uh, constant meetings right now with the UK side because uh, I was talking about the credit mapping, which is being done right now. So mutual recognition of qualifications between India and UK, that is something which is being discussed. So they are having the CATs, we are having the credits. Similarly, Europe. European Union is having ECTS. So they, they how, how the ECTS and CATS are related, how they are related to Indian credits, all that work is going on. So integration, I think, is going on world over because we have realized that no country can survive in isolation. So every country has to talk to each other and there has to be a certain degree of alignment, not exactly the same thing, but they should be able to understand the language of credits of each other. I'm not saying language say per se like Spanish, German or something. I'm saying language means language of the uh, higher education system means how many credits or how many, what is the structure of the higher education system. So all that a certain degree of alignment is happening internationally also. And when we talk to many, many countries, uh, it is appear that slowly, slowly, it's a global village type of concept which is emerging. And in India, we have a saying, we call it in Sanskrit, Vasudev Kutumbukam. Vasudev Kutumbukam means that the whole world is one family. So the whole world should move together. They should all prosper together. So even if one member of the family is not well, like it's happening right now in Ukraine, so everybody is so disturbed. So whole whole world is one family. Yes, and indeed, the situation in Ukraine is devastating, and listeners might be interested to be aware of several statements that EAE has released over the last several weeks, both expressing solidarity and articulating some concrete steps in support of our colleagues in Ukraine. Extremely difficult time. So may I ask what you are doing to improve international collaboration at this stage? So in India, we are having many programs, like there's one study in India program, which is run by the government of India, in which we are giving a lot of fellowships and scholarships to the students to come and study in India. 
there are 4000 scholarships being given through iccr also and in addition to that many times when we used to go to the foreign countries we used to see that many of the foreign universities are not able to know which indian university they should collaborate with in a particular specific subject area so overall they knew because in india we have a ranking system which we call indian ranking system national institute of ranking framework and then there is accreditation by a body called national assessment and accreditation council and we have the accreditation through the national assessment and accreditation council but all these are overall rankings and overall accreditations so nobody comes to know that say in say quantum physics which university is very good to whom should i collaborate with so what we have done in aiu is we have made an aiu collaboration portal in which we are telling the indian universities that whatever you are good at whether it is a facility or a program or a research area just indicate in the aiu collaboration portal and when a foreign university wants to collaborate with any indian universities if they go to aiu collaboration and uh, collaboration portal and uh, write say quantum physics down will come the list of the indian universities who are good at say, quantum physics and who are wanting to collaborate with foreign universities so that is one of the initiatives which is taken by the aiu apart from any that is Indian Network of International Higher Educators. Exactly, which I hope we'll get to chat about in just a moment. I think that's really exciting and very interesting to hear about these other initiatives that are underway in the Indian context. Speaking of things international, you've mentioned you know, the global family that we're all a part of, but we have neighbors, you know, uh, countries and systems that are maybe physically closer to us. I understand that the theme of the next International Higher Education Conference in India is specifically interregional cooperation for effective internationalization of higher education. How do you see that playing out? I think particularly in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, but other developments, um, what, is, what does that mean for, to you? See, what I feel is that if you if you see see it in relation to COVID-19 pandemic, initially when the COVID-19 stuck, we all felt that uh, this is the end of internationalization of higher education because nobody can travel. So how will the internationalization happen? But slowly, slowly we realized that it was possible to have meetings, to have conferences, to have collaborations, to have, say, guest lectures from the foreign scholars or faculty online also. So eventually, as we progressed through the COVID, slowly, slowly, we realized that internationalization was not reducing, it was increasing in the sense that many universities were having online programs. So India itself started many, many online programs. MOOCs courses were there in India, which were taken by foreign university students also. Then uh, the uh, in addition to that, we, we felt that the international collaborations were happening and they were happening at a lesser cost and were very time effective also. Because now you are not spending, say, two days in coming and two days in going and spending two days there for a lecture. So now that one lecture will cost you only one hour not four or five days. So it was time effective. It was cost effective. So COVID has, I think, uh, helped us in understanding that there are other ways of collaborating. And that is happening. Very good. That's very helpful to know. You have already mentioned, and my last question for you gets right to this point, the new Indian Network of International Higher Education, I-N-I-H-E. I don't know if you pronounce it as a, yes. a word or... If you just say the uh, So we normally call it INI, INI, I-N-I-H-E, INI. Okay. So INI, you know, I mean, AIU has come out with that concept. We are right 
in the uh, beginning state stage of making that network the concept concept paper is ready it is available on the aiu website also so what we are trying to do is that in india if you see the number of especially with regard to number of international students who are coming inside india and who are going outside india the number who is coming to india is less than 50000 and the number who are going out of india is something like 1 million so this is the difference that 1 million and 50000 so we want that more and more students should come to india also because india now is emerging as a destination for quality affordable education but then what we realize is keeping the diversity of the country in mind that some of our universities were very good in internationalization they knew whom to approach whom to collaborate with but then there were many universities who wanted to do internationalization but they didn't know whom to talk to whom to collaborate with how to contact foreign universities so we thought that we should again because aiu is a friend of the universities that we should be helping these universities to enter into collaborations or to do internationalization on their own campuses not only in terms of having foreign students but also in terms of say teaching collaborations research collaborations student exchange teacher exchange so for this we wanted that there should be a network of indian universities who are wanting to have internationalization and who are very good at internationalization so that there is a lot of information sharing resource sharing knowledge sharing so that again everybody can develop together i mean a lot of hand holding is required for some of our universities so that was the concept of ini in which we want to have some foreign collaborators also but basically it is for the universities to learn from each other so this will be a network they'll be they'll be learning from each other to promote internationalization of higher education Dr. Mittal, it sounds like there is a great deal to be on the lookout for in India in terms of internationalization and higher education today and into the future. We're so happy that you gave us some of your time to let us know about these developments and we look forward to keeping in touch with you and hearing more. Thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was Pankaj Mittal, Secretary General of the Association of Indian Universities. We have links in this episode's session notes to several of the resources and initiatives mentioned by our guest, so do check those out if you'd like to explore these developments in greater depth. As we publish this episode, we're moving swiftly into the month of April, and there is a lot going on at the EAE. Springtime sun is shining in Europe, and it's also a perfect time to shine a bright spotlight on the superheroes in our sector. You can do this by nominating an institution, an inspiring leader, or a colleague for an EAE award. There are three awards that you can nominate for in these different areas: excellence in internationalization, vision and leadership, and outstanding contribution. Nominations are open until April 14th. Please visit our website for more information and to submit your nominations. Also in our spring calendar are two more online academy training courses. In April, you can join expert EAE trainers to learn how to make the most of your summer school and short-term programs. In May, you can take a deep dive into learning how to design learning outcomes for traineeships abroad. Visit www.eae.org for all of this information and more. As for the podcast, we'll be publishing a new episode in 2 weeks time and hope you'll join us again then. For now, all good wishes to you from the EAE.